again. Sing the dang song. Back at it again, bitches. Friends, countrymen, everything else in between. Welcome once again to the Hardcore Strong Style Podcast presented by Ruben Prime TV. I must remember to keep saying that because it's very true. I cannot thank our wonderful, uh, our, our, our house <laughs> I can't thank the man responsible for giving us a house for this platform enough. Yes, we are here. Myself, Cosmic Kaiser 6, and my esteemed colleague, Heracles DCXVI, fresh back from the gym, bumping heads, busting ass, and, you know, going nuts. I literally just saw a post from Ruben Prime TV saying canceled, and I literally thought he meant us, so thanks for that ahead of time. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think we dodged the bullet there. That's good. Good. Okay. Damn, I hope we did. I, I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. As long as we continue to be our plucky selves, I see no reason why we should get caught up. <laughs> We're kidding, kidding, kidding. We're still in the air. Whew. Not For at least to... another hour. <laughs> yeah. All right. Whew. Well, what brings us once again to the studio? I'll tell you what. Much like our previous episode talked about what we're looking forward to from New Japan Pro Wrestling's King of Pro Wrestling event, we are now looking in the aftermath, the everything afterwards, the uh, the Dust Bowl after the fact that the wind pushed the past. But, but rest assured, no boringness here, despite my terrible Dust Bowl uh, analogy. And King no, he Pro- did not just say bed bugs. Nope, no bed bugs. I don't. If I did say that without realizing it, that's far from the truth. No bed bugs at all. Good God, I think I must be tired. I probably needed to drink some screwball before anything else. Okay, one, it's a screwdriver. Screwdriver? Yes, I am tired. Confirmed. And Holy shit. Two, this is our second episode in a week, so you know this is um uncharted territory for the show. Yes, it is. We've built a very bad, very bad uh, reputation for being incredibly delayed on some parts, but we're actually doing it. We're on time. We're doing it live somehow. Uh, (laughs) All right. So, King of Pro Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling 2019. We thought we were getting uh, a few things, and we instead got some major shakeups. As uh, everybody was aware, the typhoon in Japan did shake quite a few things up in both good and bad ways. Mostly bad if you uh, pay attention to the uh, to the death toll and everything like that. Of course, once again, our thoughts and uh, well wishes are out there to the people of Japan. Please be Agreed. well. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, how the typhoon relates to King of Pro Wrestling, let's just say a few matches had to get shuffled around and a few uh, participants were unfortunately unable to go. Uh for example, we originally were going to get, for the opener match at least, uh, a six-man tag, which would have included uh, Suzuki-kun members Desperado, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Zack Sabre Jr. against, uh, was it Rapongi 3K, Sho and Yo, and one other member I forget offhand. Who, do, you, do you recall who it was supposed to be before? Honestly, no, because remember, we didn't really care about the undercard matches. You're quite right, and that's perfectly understandable. But yeah, at least in this first match, Zack Sabre Jr., 
was one of a less than a handful of victims here of the typhoon causing travel problems. So the first match, at the very least, turned into a straight-up just standard tag match. And it was a good one. A very good one. But aside from that change, there was also, of course... Uh, let me see who else. Right, 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 right. I'm looking at the card again. Uh, one very notable uh, change to the card. We were looking forward to Juice Robinson getting his rubber match against John Moxley in a no-DQ fashion for the IWGP U.S. Heavyweight Championship. But lo and behold, that typhoon is apparently on Tony Khan's payroll. Kidding. Because, dang it, Moxley was stripped of the title for not being able to go. And we How had a... dare they actually keep with wrestling rules? I know, right? It's as though New Japan actually cares about how the titles are treated. <gasps> Novel fucking concept. Wow. Yeah, this that's not sports entertaining, but, you know, wrong show. Yeah, exactly. Anybody wanting to be sports entertained about all that? Eat, kick rocks. Seriously. Or just listen to the Ruben and Rome connection or whatever the show is named. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, Moxley was stripped for not being able to fulfill his duty as U.S. champion. And so it was made vacant, which, which resulted in Juice Robinson facing somebody else entirely. But we'll get to that momentarily. Um, let me see if I remember what else happened here. Well, let's go over that first match real quick. First match is in the from the, starting from the openers. Yes. All right. So once again from the top, uh, the Desperado, the El Desperado return match again. He was previously injured from a death match, uh, from a death match situation. Broke his jaw. Now he's back. Had his bloody shirt on and everything again. <laughs> yeah. And he has he hasn't lost a step. Even with the time away, dude was still uh pretty ferocious for what for what we could expect from El Desperado. Um, they, himself and Kanemaru were able to get the upper hand against Rapungi 3K in this one. It was a really good solid opener, a lot of fun. And it served as a, you know, sneaky little preview of the ongoing Super Junior Tag League. So, there was also that. Absolutely, yes. We definitely gotta uh, catch up on that when we can. Um, and so, the following match after that was, of course, uh, Tanahashi, Hiroshi Tanahashi's, uh, 20th anniversary commemoration uh, match, anyway. Himself and Tomoaki Honma faced the uh, the most violent players team of Togi Makabe and uh, G1 Climax uh, winner extraordinaire of sorts, uh, Yano Toru Shrug, uh, with one special guest alongside Tanahashi, one Wataru Inoue, another big deal who uh, debuted around the same time as Tanahashi did more or less more or less he his career ended a little sooner than Tanahashi's in comparison well duh Tanahashi's still performing but basically Inoue-san's career was cut woefully short but he's still working in the back offices with New Japan so it's not all lost that's good to hear uh, I'm not wholly familiar myself with Inoue's uh uh, previous uh, career trajectories, if I recall correctly, he was a competitor in a few of the super, uh, best of the Super Juniors tournaments. I could be wrong. That is definitely something to take a look at on NJPW World for only 999 yen, if you can navigate it. Yes, indeed. And it's not that difficult. Personal experience, I can tell you, it's not that difficult. Just learn Japanese. It's 
It's not a hard language, people. Sort of. Anyway. All right. Sorry. I can't help but being a chucklehead. I'm tired here. I'm the only one that's like ketering on energy here. Uh, Anyway, Tanahashi's team won, long story short. Big surprise. Uh, Pretty much. Following match after that, Los Ingobernables de Japón. Tetsuya Naito and Shingo Takagi defeated the team of the Holy Emperor Taichi and the returning Doki. Well, they technically won by disqualification, really, because Suzuki Gun were being, you know, the usual pricks that they were. But this sets up. Uh, a nice little story between uh, Taichi and Naito in terms of their, uh, in terms of Naito's original plan of trying to be a double champion. Uh, Taichi wants a cut of that pie. And uh, I, this... think, I think Naito's on plan. I don't know if this is C, D, or Z. I've lost track, but yeah, this double champion thing, it's. Going well for everyone except the guy who originated the idea. Whoops. Yeah. It's like he, uh, I mean, pretty much some, unfortunately, some of the greater ideas tend to get lampooned by others. And Naito seems to be the, uh, seems to be the uh, victim right now for all of that. So uh, hopefully Naito can bounce back. Uh, that's just my personal bias. I love myself some Naito. But Taichi has been slowly winning me over lately. Guy's been nothing short but a fantastic asshole. And if you can keep Doki close by and continue mentoring him, it'd be good to see what Doki uh, contributes as far as uh, Taichi goes on. But, um, yeah. Just for posterity, let's not say fantastic asshole in public. <laughs> of course not. I don't, I, I'm not really looking to get arrested anytime soon. So I think. Yeah, yeah, just don't say that in public, please. Much less in the gym. You can pretty much set off the worst things for both genders here. Or okay, next. Moving on. Sorry. <laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm 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 off on a weirder way. Anyway, uh, following that match, we move on to Jushin Thunder Liger or Battle Liger, as apparently it seems to be the uh, the moniker thrown around for the version of Liger we got in this match versus the pro wrestling king, Minoru Suzuki. And, uh, ooh, man, I know we are initially were looking forward to some crazy, major crazy shit, but I got to admit, what we got, while it probably wasn't anything that the Kishin Liger appearance was likely suggesting, it was still a fantastic fucking match. Yeah, we got a fight out of the two instead of a wrestling match, and that is perfectly okay. It was everything that it probably could have been without any excessive eccentricities or flashiness. It was a straight up brawl with some wrestling included, with some legit mat wrestling included, but a real proper brawl. And the whole time, you know, Liger was just in there really going through that underdog role and, and just, you know, boxing guy, you know, you know, Basically, wasn't able to, you know, uh, to, you know. What, reach. were his arms too short to box with a king or a god? I, see, I'm, I'm glad you are my partner here because I 
clearly you clearly know what I was trying to go for to say. I just couldn't get the words out for some reason. I'm terrible today. I'm sorry, sorry everyone. I'm in poor form. But yes, Liger's arms were too short to box with the pro wrestling king, with the MMA king, the king of pancrase. And there Suzuki, we go. Suzuki tore him a new rear end. Uh, proverbially speaking, and almost quite literally. I mean, he didn't really do anything a-hole-wise, but that's another story. Okay, uh, hold on. Let's keep in mind he did actually tear the mask a bit. That's probably the closest kind of tearing that we're getting there. Exactly, yeah. Um, Suzuki was alarmingly dominant for a good majority of the match. Uh, that, that doesn't take away anything from uh, Liger's attempts. He was absolutely you know, mustering all kinds of sympathy from the crowd uh, at this uh, at this event. And it unfortunately was not enough. Suzuki planted him with the gotcha pile driver after a little while, got the three count, and probably one of my favorite Suzuki moments that I'll probably ever remember for a long time. After him getting off the mat, dusting off his, uh, his win against Liger, Proving to the world that he is that he is who he is, he shows respect to Jushin Liger by bowing to him before rolling out the ring. I wasn't sure how to take that when I first saw it, but that I felt like that added a new wrinkle of sorts to uh, to Suzuki's uh, character. I guess as far as what we've come to understand of Minoru Suzuki as a character within the New Japan Pro Wrestling universe. Very. True. When it comes down to it, Suzuki really does care for his contemporaries, but he will pay you to never mention it again, because I'm quite sure a few young lions got their next rung immediately after. I have no doubt of that. Of course, their uh, names or faces will never be shown. That's unfortunately the uh, the course of nature for the young lion system. What were your thoughts on the uh, Liger v. Suzuki match overall, man? That's really everything I wanted. I would have been okay with seeing Kishin Liger, but I was more glad to see Battle Liger come out to play because we talk about how rare it is to see Kishin Liger. Battle Liger is even rarer. Mm, quite true. Uh, I mean, when was the last time uh, Battle Liger had even popped up since, what, the, the match he had against uh, Suzuki way back when during Pancrase's time? That sounds about right, because it's not too often you see Liger without a shirt and a serious face. So, yeah. And, yeah, while we're on that topic, yes, let's keep in mind Liger is in his mid-50s and is in better shape than a lot of us. <laughs> Undoubtedly so. And I, what, what I would do to be in the shape of Liger minus the, uh, the age factor. Uh, but, that, but regardless... That man is a walking treasure, should be uh, revered for years to come once he closes the chapter of his life as a pro wrestler. All hail Jushin Thunder Liger. Yes, and I hate that we're getting very close to that, but that's the reality we're facing. It's almost January 4th, 2020. Yeah, I know. It's it's nuts. We're already in November, and he pretty much made that announcement, what, like during the summer or something like that? Or maybe earlier? Right after, no, right after this year's Wrestle Kingdom on January 5th, he announced that he'll be retiring. So, yeah, yeah, the year's flying by really, really quick. Yeah, man. Like, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to meet uh, Liger himself at the uh, at the Hulu Theater 
during the weekend of G1 Supercard. Guy was super nice. Uh, I managed to. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry to get all, all personal on this bit a little bit, but I just figure it's important. But uh, oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, thanks. But you know, meeting the guy and seeing just how well how well his demeanor is in in in, in you know in, in the face of having a career as storied as his, and you know, kind of seeing just how uh, how positive he seems to be. I don't know if it's just because. You know, he was getting a payday for meeting fans and stuff like that. But when I met him, the guy seemed really genuine in terms of his uh, appreciation for the fan turnout and uh, you know what little we were able to see of Liger at the uh, during the uh, the opening rumble of that event. Uh, you know, it got it got a lot of support from the fans and everything like that. Uh, everybody was just kind of losing their shit seeing Liger uh, do what he does. You know. Kenny King elimination, uh, notwithstanding. Uh, but man, it's really going to suck when you don't hear that familiar Jushin Liger th- a song uh, belting out in the Tokyo Dome or even a Kodakuen Hall. I'm really going to fucking miss that. I'm not going to lie. Absolutely. I mean, what a lot of viewer fans may not know is that Liger had a pretty lengthy bout with cancer back in the 90s. So... Wow. Had fate taken a different turn, we might not be talking about this right now. So that's probably part of why Liger is so positive and upbeat about everything, because it could have gone very different. So big ups to Liger and congrats on a successful career. Absolutely. Big ups to you, Liger. You'll always have our support here at the HSC podcast, no matter where you go. Love you, brother. <laughs> Moving on to the following match. Uh the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship was contested between the aerial assassin Will Ospreay, defending champion, and the upstart uh, challenger in the headbanger, El, ELP, El Fantasmo. Um, Fantasmo had an interesting uh, sort of character display of sorts going into the match. Given what was going on with the typhoon and everything like that, he seemed to sort of... Sort of uh, Turn the leaf on his uh on his a holeness. A lot of asshole talk today in this episode. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least right now the usage of it is is accurate, given that it's El Fantasma we're talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, basically, El Fantasma kind of started things off trying to play the noble uh the noble guy, trying to get a good match out of Will Osprey. Uh, sort of you know. See, seemingly turning a bit of a leaf on his character, uh, but really nah. When you're in Bullet Club, pending that you're a member of the elite, you're 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 heel through and through. And El Fantasmo clearly still has that had that in his system throughout the match. And uh, Osprey responded in kind. Uh, pulled out. They both pulled out all kinds of amazing uh, offense. A lot of hard hitting moves. A lot of a uh, lot of passion behind their act, their actions. Uh, I mean, there, obviously, there were a lot of spots to go through, but some of my personal favorites, uh, if if uh, if you will, involved Phantasmo, you know, leeching off of a previous Bullet Club member signature moves. Y'all will of course note the Styles Clash that he pulled off on Osprey, and even his attempt at a one winged angel, which unfortunately didn't pan out, but maybe for the best. Uh, yeah. 
Well, I mean, let's keep in mind because he's not, you know, a bullet club leader. He's not going to be able to utilize those techniques as well as the ones who use them. So, I mean, you only get like half strength out of a styles clash. Oh, for sure. If you're not, yeah, if you're not in the leader status, then those kinds of moves are absolutely out of your range. You're not going to get max damage on that. Uh, you got to get those skill points up there, uh, Phantasmo. Try again. Not to mention, we got to mention how nice it is of New Japan to keep protecting the one-winged angel despite its users no longer being around. Yeah, uh, that's pretty insane when you really think about it, given Kenny's exit. Um, not, not that it was a malicious one, obviously, but it was you know pretty sudden, all things considered. Um, regardless, the fact, the fact of the matter is, Phantasmo, Osprey pulled out an absolute banger. Roughly 30 minutes of nonstop insanity. Uh, Of course, uh, Ishimori got in there to, you know, throw in some shenanigans, tactics in there to help uh, Phantasmo out. Uh, Robbie Eagles was obviously wasn't too far behind and beat the crap out of Ishimori and took him out of the out of the picture, more or less, leaving both guys, uh, Phantasmo and Osprey, still in the ring to finish their job. Um, we'll, we'll finish the match. Really, nobody really jobbed, obviously. <laughs> but man, uh, what what did you like of the match in particular? If there's any particular favorite aspects of it? Well, for one, I liked the biggest return of 2019 in that Osprey officially has his theme back. Elevated, el- elevated to the woo, and y'all will of course hear it if you didn't already hear it at the top of the show. You know, I didn't really want to put any attention to it, but uh, it's such a good song. Why not? You know, it's craziness. Oh, I man. mean, it's these last few months that he hasn't had the song. It just felt weird. It really it's, did. Yeah. Like it just it doesn't seem right. I mean, you get used to Makabe not having his theme because, you know, that's a. Uh, the rights for that are a bit tougher to acquire, so he gets a pass for not being able to utilize Immigrant Song. But Osprey mm-hmm. having the rights to Elevated and not being able to use it because a record label says, no, we like our song better. Eh, yeah, that wasn't going to last forever. So thanks, King Records. Yeah, what the hell, man? Took y'all long enough. I mean, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You wonderful beings. My God. Whew. There can, can, can never be an Osprey match that doesn't have elevated. It's just, it, it just should not. It should be law. The song was designed for him, you know, and it really right. made that, and it really made that entrance, you know, pop even further. Uh, you know, there's really no other way to look at it, honestly. But yeah, as for the match itself, just these, those two have excellent chemistry, a lot like what um. Osprey and Skrull used to have back when they were feuding, so it's great to see that he has that rival that he just gels with and can always get a good match out of an ELP. Oh, absolutely, man. Um, oh, well, I wanted to, wanted to put attention on one other, one particular spot. It was in the closing moments of the of the match that kind of led to the finish, but you know, more often than not, uh, I think this is like the first opponent that he had Osprey had where he didn't just do his hidden blade attack to the back of the head. And did like in the, the la- one of the last few moves he did on Phantasma uh, was he, he knocked him out with the hidden blade while he was facing him. And the contact, 
the way that uh, the Phantasmo fell back on the you, you, it really looked like he got concussed there with that shit. I mean, probably, but when it comes down to it, Osprey, regardless of your opinion of his social media antics or whatever else, the man's a solid performer. He and Phantasmo work well enough that they will make it look lethal as hell. So credit to Osprey and Phantasmo for that sequence. For sure, man. And this was a really good way to showcase El Phantasmo in a longer time setting, if anything. So I'm pretty sure that Phantasmo is going to get some pretty good opportunities down the line if he continues to uh, con- to impress the uh, New Japan uh, staff there, which I'm pretty sure he's doing with, with, with this. Yeah, because when it comes down to it, he doesn't lose anything by losing this match. I mean... He's still the Ref Pro British Cruiserweight Champion. He's still an IWGP Junior Tag Team Champion. He does still have that shiny golden jacket from the Super J Cup. So clearly, New Japan sees something in him. So mm-hmm. one day, El Phantasmo will be Junior Heavyweight Champion. Just not right now. Yeah, and then that's perfectly fine. Bullet Club continues to be fine in the face of this. So good on you, Phantasmo. You got yourself a bright future, brother. Uh, following that match, uh, there was another six-man tag. Well, actually, no, this was the yeah, this is the old, the first uh, six-man tag of the night, uh, officially speaking. Uh, Chaos members Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and uh, Yoshihashi uh, facing off against uh, Yujiro Takahashi, Kenta, and the one and only, the holiness, the Yeezy Blade, Jay White. And Bullet Club lost. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a power struggle preview in, in and of itself. So there's really not that much to look into. Yeah. Just, per- yeah, that's all it was. Yeah, pretty much just setting up setting up more for uh, Ishii and Kenta for the next show, uh, which is fine, which is fine. Um, it's always fun to see in a match that involves Yudo and Yoshihashi, who's going to take the pinfall because you just <laughs> – it's a, it's a guessing game. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Yujiro, uh, God, does, Yujiro really doesn't have much of space to do much of else at, at this point within Bullet Club. He, uh, it, it's hard to say if he, honestly, given that well, Yujiro's done. Fall guy. Well, yeah, I mean, I was, I was trying to be nice about it because. I was trying to go for an analogy of, like, he's the Bullet Club's Yoshihashi, but then again, being Yoshihashi is already suffering. Um, Would it be better to just say if Yujiro was uh, the Bushi of Bullet Club? But no, Bushi is still somewhat cool, despite his losses anyway, despite his designation as the pin guy. So, you know, Yoshihashi... mm. Yeah, plus Yujiro's actually held a championship before, so... That's not really a fair assessment to make. Exactly. The same can be said for Bushi. Maybe, maybe, maybe not as many titles by comparison, but they're there. So uh, yeah, Yoshihashi, I, we we get that you're. We appreciate that you're never giving up and you're getting back up, as it's being your slogan now. But you gotta do better, brother. You gotta do better. <laughs> After that, probably one of the biggest surprise matches of this evening. As mentioned before, 
The U.S. Heavyweight Championship was stripped apart by the one and only Vacant. He strike. He even strikes in the East. I bet Vacant was the one that set up the Typhoon. Uh, probably. I mean, it takes a force of nature to defeat a force of nature, so why not? Exactly. Damn you, Vacant! You were you, How dare you? Uh... God, I was, I was really trying to reach for a joke. But I got to stop with the jokes. Anyway, this match here, the US MMA Championship, Mox is out, Juice is still in, and guess who he faced for this one? G1 Climax 2019 Mega Rising Star Lance Archer. It's as if a New Japan official actually listened to this show. Oh, man. If whoever, anybody out there from New Japan listening to us, you done good. You done good. Or um, actually, no, if we're going to be a bit more, uh, if, we're, if we're talking directly to them, yoku ganbatana, yoku tamatsukatana, Excuse me. How do you say please send us to a contract in Japanese? Eh, crap. I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. I'm uh, a bit too tired for that one. <laughs> uh, well, but. It was- no worries. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, it's just all a matter of time. Long, long burn. Long, uh, long, long form. Uh, long term booking. Long term booking. Yeah. My words are dying. Ghetto would be so disappointed. Uh, <laughs> but yes, Archer v. Robinson for the U.S. Championship. And it was still made no DQ. At Archer's request. At his request, exactly. Dude totally kept the vibe going on. These people paid for a no DQ. We're going to make it no DQ. And what a match it was. I mean, it, it, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't your strong style epics or anything like that, obviously. It, it doesn't need to be, though. It was a great chance to for, for both men to do what they do best. Uh, long story short, though, Archer won the goddamn championship! Yes, he did. That's his first single championship in New Japan. Yeah, that's funny to believe, but that's how long he's been in a tag team. And his first singles championship win of his entire goddamn career. Wow. That is insane. That is a great example of hard work paying off. Like, that's wonderful. Right? And after coming out of that G1 Climax this year, looking as good as he did, despite all those losses. Wow! Dude 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 was already penciled in for uh, some form of championship at some point. I wasn't expecting it this so soon. (laughs) But thank you, New Japan! Thank you for uh, letting the now-redubbed Murderhawk Monster get himself a U.S. championship reign. Thank you, Mother Nature. Thank you. You know, fuck you for messing up Japan, but thank you for giving us Archer as a U.S. Uh, heavyweight champion in New Japan. Now, apparently Archer did travel back to the U.S. with the U.S. belt in hand. So I'm hoping that if he does kind of uh, tour the States or something and does a few uh, dates or whatever in the, on the independence, that maybe, just maybe, he could come to New York City and, you know, make sure that everybody dies. Well, except for me. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, 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 I'll gladly die if, if, if that means seeing Archer uh, defend the U.S. Uh, heavyweight championship, maybe at HOG or something, and you know, beat the crap out of Juba, maybe. Well, okay, that I might actually pay money to see. Anyway, um, <laughs> but no, 
No, that is absolutely huge for Archer. He got an opportunity and he ran away with it. Fuck running away with it. That man earned that shit, flew away, and said, I'm making that money now! Everybody dies! I can... I am incredibly proud of the guy. Uh, and what little I've seen of him pretty much since, what, uh, 2017 and everything like that, when Suzuki-gun came back from pro, from pro wrestling. Noah? Wow. He's come a long... He's really come a long way. And then it really feels like his career's... Uh, taking proper form now like maybe his best years are indeed still in front of him i know we talked about that uh during that g1 episode that we talked about uh, a while ago sure did yeah but wow what a way to go and uh juice you done good man you done good you held up you still fought like hell to to ensure that you are still the juice that everybody knows and loves and then and, and still Knows how to take it to the t- take it to the fridge with the business, and my euphemisms are getting dry and stale. Basically, you were a damn good fighter. Unfortunately, it wasn't your night, but you don't need the championship for now. You're so far still the only two-time uh, champ for the U.S. title, so take that at least. Go forward with 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 with, with future programs elsewhere with other people, because damn it, man, you've done good. You've done fucking great. Archer still is just the better one for now. Honestly, at this point, if this is the end of Juice Robinson in the U.S. Championship, I'm okay with that because with the improvements we've been seeing from Juice, I think I could stand to see him move into other title programs. Like, he's got his partner back in David Finley. I could legitimately see them winning the World Tag League this year. And it's a good thing you brought that up because yes, right after the Archer, the match against Archer, David Finley, uh, out from a shoulder uh, injury several months ago, is now back and actually looking much better than he did before. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, now that he's back, it looks like the him and uh, Juice are rekindling their uh, tag team uh, action. Finn are they going to Finn Juice? Yes, indeed. I completely forgot about that little uh, nickname. Are they in the tag league? Well, okay, those teams haven't even been announced, but I don't see it being too much of a stretch of the imagination to assume that they'll be in it. Okay, because it'd be good to have them back into the swing of things in that capacity at least. So, Finn Juice, welcome back. Kick some ass if you do end up in the tag league uh, brackets. Uh, Let's see. After that. We, of course, have the uh, the briefcase defense. Well, the contract defense for the challenge, the right to challenge uh, the IWGP Heavyweight Champion at Wrestle Kingdom. Personally, between... I like to call that the challenger's contract because that right to challenge... Basically, that whole tongue twister is pointless. Just call it the Tokyo Dome challenger's contract or something like that. Fair enough. They probably should make that a bit easier to to to, to do. But then again, you know, J- Japan to English isn't always the easiest in some cases. Uh, but no, that that's perfectly fine. The Tokyo Dome uh, challengers contract match between Evil and the uh, rights holder Kota Ibushi. Now, admittedly, I don't remember the match as well as I feel like I should. 
However, from uh, and, and that that's just more be me being tired. It's nothing to do with the actual match quality. If, uh, in in that sense, I personally think that uh, uh, from what I do remember, uh, that the match was actually really goddamn solid. Um, it, it was pretty much everything that I could expect from uh, a wrestler like Evil uh, to continue putting on solid brawls and and you know solid uh, ball busting performances that only he can do. Um, I don't feel like he did much different than he would, uh, than what we usually expect offense wise. I feel like he, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he probably did at least a few, uh, superplexes or so, uh, in this match. Basically, I'm, I don't quite recall the soup, the superplexes. I have to rewatch the match to be sure, but one line I do recall from commentary pretty much sums up the match. Evil did just about everything he could do. Except hit his finisher. So you you got an evil match, and that was a good thing. But it was also clear as day that evil was not meant to win. Right. I mean, much like we brought up before, uh, or at least as we discussed, that more often than not, the the challengers, uh, the the, the challenger uh, contract, doesn't really change hands around this time. More often than not, it usually sticks to whoever it is that's uh, that's got it. So, much like uh, we had thought, it was pretty much a damn good exhibition between uh, Ibushi and, and, and Evil, and a damn damn good one. Uh, so it was it was it was a lot of fun, uh, as far as that goes. Uh, Ibushi uh, thankfully didn't kill himself or kill anybody else in the process of uh, having this fantastic match for people to see. So. You know, kudos to him. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of spots where people nearly kill themselves, we'll get back to it later. But if you do recall one particular spot in Osprey versus Phantasmo, yeah, Ooh. we'll talk about that later on. All right, all right. Uh, if I think uh, I think I remember what you're talking about, but we'll we'll get to that afterwards. Um, so yes, then we had the main event. For the IWGP Heavyweight Championship defense, uh, Sonata going up once again for the fourth time in singles competition against this year. Uh, this year in particular, yes, thank you, against uh, Kazuchika Okada. Now it's good that you brought up the uh, fourth time in the uh, in in the year because they kept bringing up in commentary that he's you know uh, faced off against Okada a total of uh, seven times basically, six losses. Uh, one win, I think, uh, was during the G1? Yes, his only win over Okada was during the G1. Any other time it's been Sonata versus Okada one-on-one, it's been Okada's win. Right. So that's pretty important uh, detail to keep, uh, to, to keep in mind. Because each time Sonata has been uh, trying to really make things count as far as these matches goes. It seems like he keeps uh, uh, upping the ante a slight bit uh, here and there. Maybe not by any massive uh, peaks or valleys. Um, But I think this was probably the strongest uh, match between both of them, in my opinion. Uh, There was uh, a, a lot of tension in terms of a lot of the scenarios where the dragon, uh, that dragon sleeper, the skull end, uh, kept getting used. A lot of counters, a lot of really good counter spots throughout the whole thing. 
Um, really well placed. I, mean, I, I don't I don't recall if we got the Okada, you know, laying the Rainmaker on Sonata and keeping the uh, keeping his grip on 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 the Sonata's arm or whatever and, and pulling back up for another one. Usually he tends to do that on like some on really really serious opponents that deserve it, like Tanahashi or, or, or Omega. Um, or Naito even. I wouldn't uh, be shocked. Yeah, but I feel like, uh, and 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 I only bring that up because I know that you and Ghetto in particular tend to really uh, put attention to very small details like those. And since you brought that up, once uh, since I think you brought this uh, brought up that aspect about how attentive the bookers are about things like that. Um, I get the feeling that they're definitely going to go at it again. at uh, at some later point, maybe not very soon because pretty much, you know, there's no point in having any other major feuds uh, up until wrestle kingdom anyway, since everything's kind of penciled in for that. And I know people are going to be expecting uh, that to be the major focus going uh, into the next month and, and beyond. But this was much like the Evil and Ibushi match. Another really good exhibition. Uh, really continues to show how both guys continue to gel really well. Or, or at least, you know, their chemistry sort of improving, really. Would you agree? Absolutely. Um, when you mentioned detail, one thing that popped to mind for me was how Sonata tends to lock in the skull end mm-hmm. but then he lets it go and tries to go for the moonsault i believe that's how the match got to its finish also there were quite a few times where okada did actually uh slip out of the uh, of the uh of that little vice grip that uh sonata tends to place people on for that for that uh dragon sleeper hold while they're mm-hmm. on while they're on the ground so he did kind of slip out of that uh on his own. So clearly Okada is starting to learn and, uh, you know, sort of will himself out of that hold, even though he gets, uh, you know, placed back into it. Um, so there's definitely quite a few nuances here that add to the, uh, to the, to the storytelling within the fight. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, as many times as those two have faced each other this year alone, I am not shocked to learn that Okada's figured out a way to overcome the skull end. Yep. Uh, it's definitely adding more to the legend of the Rainmaker. Because clearly they're continuing to really make Okada seem like a fantastic fucking deal. A massive deal. And I'm not... A, I'm not uh, in disagreement with that at all. I, I am all for it. Yeah, he is fantastic, and when you think the guy has broken every record there is to break as a heavyweight champion, he somehow managed to break yet another one. Mm -hmm. Or at least he seems to find different ways to continue to impress, or at least do something somewhat different enough that makes you still uh, want to keep an eye on how uh, uh, how he faces off against certain opponents. Because uh, while he will execute, you know, similar offense across the line, of course, that's you know the the nature of the uh, pro wrestling biz. Certain moves are, you know, 
coins are in line with certain uh, characters and gimmicks and stuff like that. Uh, Okada really knows how to make the setups of the moves, the setups towards the moves, that much more meaningful or at least build up as much tension to really get that eventual, uh, that euphoric reaction or that, you know, exasperation if it doesn't land or something. Uh, Akata's a really, really good storyteller in, in, in that regard. And I, uh, it's, it's great to see him continue to be the dominant champion that he is, despite it being at the expense of someone like uh, Sonata, who is really doing really well. Um, but the show must go on, you know. They uh, Okada continues as champ. Ibushi continues uh, being able to challenge him at Wrestle Kingdom, and the main event is pretty much set. Nothing overtly major outside of the uh, few changes to the card in this show. Overall, I think it was a really good, uh, really good show. All things considered. Um. Uh, the few swerves that were introduced as a result of the typhoon and all that did sort of help in creating these uh, very memorable moments, such as, you know, of course, Archer uh, being the replacement for Mox and winning the title uh, and, and stuff like that. Um, and, and it was a good way to help keeping narratives moving forward uh, towards the next few months and up until uh, the upcoming Wrestle Kingdom. You know, I, 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 my chest still aches thinking about us having to give up Liger because Liger is almost done, and I don't want that. I don't want to live in a world without Jushin Thunder Liger. <laughs> but, you know, uh, that unfortunately, this show had to be that show. It had to be the one to, to sort of cement the fact that that's happening. Um. So you did mention that there was a particular spot in the El Fantasmo v. Osprey match uh, that did worry you, or at least, you know, that, that, that did stand out to you. What, would, what was that? Surprise, surprise. It was the balcony spot. Oh, you're right. I, oh, I don't know how I forgot about that. Yes, they, yes. Uh, Fantasmo and Osprey did end up outside the ring for a bit. They did fight up over by the balcony. They pretty much were... Uh, they were pretty much channeling their inner Ibushis the entire time there. Uh, they're kind of teasing, knocking each other over the uh, balconies themselves. I think Osprey eventually uh, made the sort of safer fall first, kind of like grabbed onto some railing or something on the way down, uh, giving Phantasma the opportunity to actually make that full, uncushioned, uh, you know, no safety net whatever jump. Onto Osprey all the way down. We're talking at least, we're talking like what? Almost 10 feet, maybe a little over 10 feet high? That looked pretty darn deep, and I would not have loved to see a Stormbreaker from that kind of height. I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't think Will is that stupid. I don't think he's stupid at all, <laughs> but I don't think. That's something that that that, that, I, that he would humor. Even with all the muscle that he's built, I don't think uh, there's enough cushioning for a fall that high up for a Stormbreaker to work <laughs> without severe injury. Yeah, let's just save that for the video games because that's what it looks like it would have came from had he done that. 
Pretty much. Thank goodness for Fire Pro, for Fire Pro Wrestling World, right? <laughs> oh sure. Oh man. But yeah, that that's a really good example of uh, some of the crazy stuff that happened here. Oh, I think there was also one uh, particular powerbomb spot. I think, um, what was it? Uh, Osprey. Oh, right. Um, El Fantasma was about to do a, uh, both Fantasma and Osprey were up on the top rope at one point in the match. And El Fantasma was more or less setting up a dizzied Osprey for uh, sort of a Frankensteiner while both were standing on the top ropes. Not, I, I, if I, I think Osprey was standing too. I could be wrong. But basically, Osprey, uh, El Fantasmo did his jump in preparation for the head scissors, but Osprey took that momentum and planted. I'm talking about planted Fantasmo down onto that mat. You could see Fantasmo's head fucking ricochet off that damn uh, off that mat. You know, and Marty Asami, the referee, very nearly got knocked into orbit. Yep. Yes, uh, that that I definitely remember. I de- remember there was at least one spot uh, that pretty much saw Marty Asami like fly pretty much in the air. <laughs> you know, and and I, I love that about the referees there in, in 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 New Japan, or at least just those that do care to make those kinds of spots seem far bigger than than uh, than what they may appear um, to really give it that extra weight. You don't yeah. really get that often enough in, in, in some other promotions. Definitely not. That's why Asami's considered, I guess, a number two referee behind Red Shoes because he adds that emotion. He adds that interaction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, I feel like he's definitely stepping up in terms of uh, being that number one uh, referee that don't take no shit from nobody. Red Shoes is untouchable. But Marty Asami seems to be lining himself up to be the next uh, in line for that. Yeah, he just needs to stop taking bullet clubs-ish. That's all. Yeah. At, at least one suck it to, to, the, to the BCs. To the BC yeah, guys. Yeah, that would be fine. That would probably work. be okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, uh, were there any other uh, parts of some of the matches that uh, that you recall? Or at least that, that, that uh, impressed you? There was the powerbomb to the table spot from Archer to Robinson. I can't remember the last time I saw that kind of impact through a table. Uh, I think that wasn't that like the last move before he uh, actually. Right. No, that was right. He did do that. And then he proceeded to do his little EVD claw for the pinfall. Right. Sure. At the end of the match, this table spot was earlier. Oh, Oh, okay. I, 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 I might. Have it was to, either a power bomb that. or a choke slam through a table. And remember, these are Japanese wood tables, so they take effort to break. Um, Archer spiked juice through that table, and it broke. Clean on top of that, if I recall correctly. But yeah. Yeah. That is that Japanese tables ain't nothing to mess with, friends. Remember that. Remember that. But man, this was a damn good show. This yeah, was. like it was it was entertaining. So mm-hmm. if you haven't had a chance to watch King of Pro Wrestling, it's available right now on New Japan Pro Wrestling World. Give it a watch. You won't regret it. 
by no means. Uh, rest assured, your 999 yen will go to fantastic use. If you have 5,000 yen, then you'll be able to fund Yano Toru's uh, production efforts. But again, it's a whole other story. Or you can story. donate to us and we'll fund it to Yano's um, efforts or our own. <clears throat> <laughs> Man, do we even know Yano's line? Ow! Okay, got, gotcha. Right, I gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, totally. We will, you know, for, for, forward that over to Yano. We totally know Yano Toru. He's a stand-up guy. I always wake up with my balls hurting for some reason, but I don't know why. Anyway. Let's not ask anyway. <laughs> I'm worried. All right. But uh, but yes, King of Pro Wrestling definitely gets two thumbs up from us. Maybe we'll get our own uh, unique rating system or something like that, but we ain't Meltzer heads. Uh, at least one half of us isn't entirely, so. Well, I'm not. Uh, I... Can't help but find Meltzer's uh, viewpoint on some matches and stuff entertaining, if anything. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like but enough fun. about him. This ain't his show. That's right. You're here for the Hardcore Strong Style Coalition podcast, ladies and gents. Uh, enough gushing about the, about that other uh, researcher guy who's, you know can't really comp- uh, finish much of a sentence kind of like what i'm doing right now and mumbling over my words oh my god we're t- I'm turning into <clears throat> yeah that's that um so uh did you have was there anything else that you had in mind or anything else that, that comes to mind coming out of this uh show or anything for down the line actually um i just remembered um you are aware then of the uh next few uh, of the next retirement matches that uh, Liger's going to be having on both uh, days of Wrestle Kingdom, right? Yes. The first of which was announced after King of Pro Wrestling. He'll be participating in an eight-person tag team match. So right. there's that. Um, there is also the Super Junior Tag League that's ongoing. I mean, you'll be forgiven for not caring too much about it because this is New Japan and tag teams we're talking about, so you know. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, actually, it's a good thing you did bring that up because uh, uh, when was the last time that the heavyweight uh, tag team championships were even defended? That I want to say was during the most recent Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour. Um, God defended against Rapongi 3K, who came in with two pinfall victories over them. Right, okay. Okay. Now, unsurprisingly, GOD retained. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because um, I know you did, uh, I know you and I were talking not too long ago, and uh, uh, we did agree that there was a problem in terms of, not even a problem, but just, uh, the, I guess, the quote-unquote sad state of the uh, tag team uh, division in New Jersey. Yeah. And this current field of the Super Junior Tag League really brings that to light in the grossest of ways. When Uh, you look at the... Yeah. uh, So, yeah, go ahead. uh, Expand on your thoughts, sir. No problem. Um, It's currently eight teams in, I think, a single block round-robin format. I believe that's how they ran it last year. The top two teams will compete in a final match at Power Struggle. And the winning team challenges for the junior tag titles at Wrestle Kingdom. 
Now, last year, it wound up being a three-way between then-champions Kanemaru and Desperado, um, Rapongi 3K, and the LIJ team of Bushi and junior heavyweight Shane. Yes. And (laughs) Rapongi 3K came out of that the winners. Right. Now, this year, when you look at the field, there are really only two actual tag teams in that field. That's, of course, Rapongi 3K and Kanembaru and Desperado. And as of this recording, um, Rapongi 3K versus Desperado and Kanemaru already happened. So, yeah, that's, that's just tag team wrestling in New Japan in general. They don't have many actual tag teams, but the stories they tell between single competitors is great in comparison. So you're it's you're forgiven if you don't pay attention to the tag tournaments because to be quite honest, I usually don't. Yeah. Um you know, if you're if you want to at least, you know, support the wrestlers that are involved in those events, by all means give the show give the events a watch anyway because, you know, you'll likely still get something out of it. And be entertained, especially if you're invested in any one of the guys. Uh, at least one of the tag teams, uh, to my immediate recollection, uh, is from the uh, CMLL uh, promotion in Mexico involving Titan and uh, Volador Jr. Uh, I'm kind of interested to at least see uh, what they do. I know they're not going to really place high anyway, so uh, they're just there to kind of pad things out. Uh, but they're both great wrestlers. Obviously, Volador Jr. is you know very storied in his... Uh, in his uh, career, in his own way, and Titan, I'm not overly familiar with his stuff back in the mainland in Mexico, uh, but whenever I see him in the Fantastica Mania uh, tours in Japan, uh, he feels to me like a bit of a standout, and I've I always enjoy what he does. So by all means, continue to support tag team wrestling, even if New Japan has a hard time doing so. Yeah, it's not to discredit New Japan to balk on their tag team treatment but that's just how things have always been with new japan and tag teams really so yeah if you see someone you like by all means watch it but at this point they're building towards wrestle kingdom and everything they do from king of pro wrestling until january 4th is to essentially fill out the rest of the card so believe me when i say you're not missing a huge deal with missing the tournament but those that are participating will give it their best so if you're inclined to tune in definitely do so yes sir um let us also not forget that um our favorite favorite young lion uh shota umino did also drop a farewell letter to the fans around the world that pretty much uh, cement his uh, sentiments on why he's going through his uh, his excursion out in Europe or out in England. And uh, I I don't know, man. Uh, have you had a chance to look it over? I did read it. It was a very good read from Old Shooter. Yeah. And it just makes you excited to see his future, to see what his time in Europe does for him. Because, I mean... If there's anyone who has a high ceiling, it's Shota. So I'm excited to see him come back and see what he's become. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, 
you know, if if I may paraphrase a few things just to give all my, all of our uh, one listener or all of our listeners an idea of what we're talking about uh, in this case, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, either through the social medias or even at njpw1972.com, please check it out. Uh, in the post involving Shota Umino's uh, open letter, you know, just a few excerpts here and there. I want to start again, put myself in a new environment, in new circumstances. Nobody to help me, nobody to show me what to do. Square one from scratch. That's why I never once thought to follow John Moxley. I want to do this by and for myself to study and search for that something. He does mention earlier in the uh, letter that he believes that there was something that was missing uh, for him. Uh, Noting that the L.A. Dojo uh, guys, in particular Carl Fredericks, who won the uh, Young Lion Cup, uh, uh, was... He felt like there was something that the L.A. Dojo guys had that was missing within the uh, the, Japan, the New Japan Dojo. And also, uh, you know, our thoughts are with the Dojo as well. Uh, given the typhoon that did occur, the Dojo also itself got uh, severely flooded. So there was a lot of apparently a bunch of property damage over there. Uh, so our thoughts are over there to everybody that's uh, affected at the Dojo, too. Um he also, uh, Shota also goes on to say that when I, uh, can I quote, when I was with Moxley during the G1, he didn't give me any advice. If I asked for something, he would just give some vague praise. Good job, like that. If I asked him for anything more concrete, he'd tell me to be more confident. What makes him who he is isn't moves, style, technique. It isn't heart. It's something. So with his... Uh, with this, he pretty much confirms that he, you know, requested his excursion in order to go out there into the world and find what he believes to be the something that will further, you know, solidify the pro wrestler that he believes he is. And you could really tell just how much of a, you know, level-headed... Uh, forward-thinking guy uh, Shota is, and and the line about him, you know, not following Moxley kind of made me choke up a little bit, because, you know, everybody around the world and the internet, and even us, admittedly, you know, we're, we're, we're not too far away from making all the possible dad jokes and stuff like that between Mox and Shooter, but, man, that, it, it really, it, it really's just sort of says a lot about just how focused uh, Shota is, or probably just how focused even the the rest of the guys at the New Japan Dojos from across both sides of the Pacific uh, really look at this, or how they're trained to look at the pro wrestling world. You know, they have a very different view, a very different way of going about it than say anyone reporting to performance centers in Florida. Nothing against them either but right. it's just something about how they're trained in a new japan environment that makes them seem just a bit different in a good way yeah it's it, it's it's kind of beautiful when you think about it uh just in terms of how um how involved how um how strenuous how uh 
I guess to a degree visceral even uh the training regiments are the uh uh the sort of militaristic uh forcing of humility into uh the trainees and everything like that because if you listen to stories of guys like Fergal Devitt uh F- aka Finn Balor um about what they did while at the New Japan dojos during the their respective times and stuff there was almost always that uh need to instill humility and respect for the business uh on a daily basis and you know really uh making sure that they pretty much focus all their energies into uh being as adaptable as possible to the business and to how to perform within the business and Man, it, it it stuff like that is is just so inspirational in a sense, because you know my thirty plus year old ass kind of still wants to go to a random wrestling school and just give it a try and 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 just just to at least see how far I can even take myself just for the training purposes. I know I probably couldn't go any further, uh, wouldn't be able to go much further uh, as far as having strong style classics or anything like that. No. To be real, I did read something on Reddit from, I think, a 38-year-old who said he's only been in pro wrestling training for a year and is learning a moonsault. So you're really never too old to pursue it. If that's what your heart desires, by all means, go for it. Remember, Batista, I think he didn't start in pro wrestling until he was about 30. And even back then, that is considered normally too old to start a career in pro wrestling but these days age isn't quite a factor that is true we can also look at uh, former young lion uh uh katsuya kitamura who i believe was also in his early 30s when he joined uh into the young lion cup and uh you know managed to win the uh what was the, the young lion cup in his yes. time before leaving now i don't quite recall his age at the time but Yeah, he was considerably older than his fellow Young Lions, clearly more experienced than them. Dude was at one point supposed to go into the Olympics. But nonetheless, yeah, um, if it's what your heart desires and you think you can really legitimately go for it, even if you don't think you can, go for it. You may be surprised with how far you get. So, yeah. Don't let your dreams be dreams, as one uh, one curly-haired guy on the internet tell, told everybody some years ago and still tells people in GIF format. What are you waiting for? Do what makes you happy. I'm not sure wh- how we got here, but pro wrestling makes people happy. Be like Tomwaki Honma. Be your own Kokeshi, because Kokeshi makes you happy. Or something. Well, that's another topic for another time, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I guess that will do it for this edition of the uh, Hardcore Strong Style Coalition podcast. Uh, Heracles DCXVI, thank you as always for being uh, my my co-host. I always appreciate you, uh, you know, setting me straight and, and keeping things in focus here with these topics because I know I do tend to kind of go off on tangents. And not a problem. And ladies and gentlemen, as usual, you can find us through Ruben Prime TV, 
which is avail which uh, is an available platform across various podcasting uh, podcast locations, be that iTunes, be that Spotify, be that uh, SoundCloud, uh, wherever else you get your uh, wherever else you get your podcasts here and there. By all means, find us also on the Instagrams, the Twitters, the Facebook. All that other madness and yada yada. So please feel free to uh, continue to uh, to listen uh, to what we have going on. We'll continue to do our best to uh, follow up and create more content that hopefully uh, you're being entertained by. Uh, so yes, that will be it for tonight's edition. Once again, Cosmic Kaiser Six with D- with Heracles DCXVI signing out. Until the next time, adios muchachos. <laughs>